Hey everyone, it's Andy and Phil. We're your co-hosts for the Burning Creative Podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're the partners over at Muddy Shutter Media and we're excited to have you listening to our show. This is a podcast about creativity, inspiration, and passion in the creative community. This show is sponsored and supported by MSM and therefore, no ads, all talk. We hope you enjoy the content and don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow our Instagram page at Burning Creative Podcast. Jumping right in, let's introduce today's guest. All right, everybody. Today, we have our good friend, Keith Ailes. Keith Ailes is the director of production over at Mountain Ops. Keith, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. For you guys that do not know Keith and do not know his work, he has worked on some phenomenal pieces, you know, in his time at Mountain Ops from the super cool videos of Cam to Brian Call, and he's just been everywhere. His, I mean, I can't even do his story justice. It's just awesome, and we can't wait to get into it. So, Keith, if you don't mind, just kind of give everybody a little backstory about yourself what you do at mountain ops and you know what it took to get there gosh it's been a it's been a road it's been a long road man yeah so i'm from bozo montana born and raised i guess leading into mountain ops we'll get into that but what i do at mountain ops i'm the director of video production there and we got an awesome little content crew there that helps me out and we got i mean gosh everyone who works there is is killer we got a good group so awesome man and you know what let's kind of like rewind you know we when we met in in Alaska, you know, we kind of sat around the fire and, and started talking about how the heck we ended up meeting each other and how <laughs> the heck we ended up, you know, riding jet boats into the middle of nowhere. And, you know, you started talking about the freelance life and, you know, how you worked with PBR and, you know, you were digging crap out of toilet, you know, just <laughs> kind of, just kind of talk about what it took for you to be where you are right now. Oh man, that's, uh, I think that's what's mis misjudged. You know, we were just mm-hmm. talking about this. When you look on anyone's Instagram or social media feed or anyone who kind of does what we do, uh, you know, I'm always hearing, gosh, you are killing it. You're just living the dream. You're doing this, you're doing that. And I am, you know, yeah. like I, I have, I do, I do my dream job. You know, I have, I have the best job in the world, but the process getting here was so hectic. I mean, it started, mm-hmm. I guess if you <laughs> rewind to the first time carrying a, a camera, gosh, I've always, I've always had a camera in my hand. I mean, since I was a little kid, you guys will get a, get a kick out of this. I was always really influenced by ski films growing up in Montana. Mm-hmm. And my dad worked at a, a ski area my whole life. So Ski films were always kind of like whenever there was premieres coming to town or someone yeah. launching a, a new film every year, I would wait till they launch it, go buy it, and I would just indulge that. And so that was my thing. And awesome. uh, at the age of like nine, ten, I was watching all these ski films, but I wasn't a very good skier. And I was like, <laughs> okay, how do I, how do I do this? So at recess, at recess, me and my buddies would do like fake ski tricks out of swing sets. You know, did you guys ever do like backflips and stuff out of yeah, swing yeah, sets? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we would do, we would, we would get as high as we can on the swing sets and we'd do like backflip 360s. We call them rodeos. We would do like 720 grabs out of them and stuff and like Damn. just eating crap, coming up with wood chips sticking out of our arms and stuff. And, uh, but I would film it. I would film it and take photos of it. And so the first film I ever made, I was probably like, 10 years old and it, we would made little segments. It was like a ski film with me and my buddies doing tricks 
of swing sets. I still have it. It's hilarious. That's awesome. It's hilarious. So that is, gosh, man, I've just always loved, I've always loved photography and making videos. And it was just a huge passion of mine. So to find, like, that was always my goal, I guess, since day one was to find work that I could do that. And gosh, fast forward now today, like you said, now I'm making, now I'm getting paid to make videos and make films and you just, I can't beat it. You really can't beat it. But to get to this point, I, gosh, I've worked some really bad jobs and we probably all have, <laughs> you know, yeah. we probably all oh, have. Absolutely. I've sold sunglasses for seven bucks an hour. I've cleaned toilets at gyms, like two, or, I worked at a YMCA in North Dakota when I was in college. And I'm talking picking hair out of, out of showers and fingernail oh, clippings and scrubbing man. floors. And, yeah. and that's what paid for my camera equipment. Yeah, sure. So, so working all these jobs to try to to try to make it, and it's just I think a lot of people just don't understand what it what it really takes to get this point. You don't just like you know, oh, I'm just going to go buy a Sony camera. You know, I'm just going to go and shoot, and someone's just going to you know pay me to do it. You know, it's a it's such a long process. It's hard to (laughs) it's hard to go through all the steps to explain how I did get here. It's been a long road. Yeah, for sure. So, how you know? How has that kind of molded you into into the the cameraman and and the the creative that you are? You know how how does that help you with your your process? How does it help you generate these films? I just always remember. I mean, anytime you know, if there's heavy editing hours or just a lot of time, I'm not trying to sound whiny, but you know, whenever you're, I mean, editing's tough, man. Editing, sitting and sitting behind the computer and logging all those hours, that's kind of the the grunt work of what we do. So whenever I get a little little bummed or stressed out, I just remember, you know, those times that I was cleaning toilets and for seven bucks an hour and it just, it just reamps that drive for what I do. And uh, I just remember those kind of crappy jobs I used to work. You know, I could be working construction. I could be pouring concrete. It could be roofing. I could be doing all this tough stuff that I used to do, but no, I get to travel the world and hang out with Cam Haynes and Adam Greentree. And I just got back from a trip with, you know, Chad Mendez. It's, it's crazy to look how that process unfolds. I mean, it's come full circle. Yeah, for sure. So how, um, kind of take us into a day to day at the mountain ops HQ and, and, you know, a day to day, there and then a day a day in the field day to day at mountain ops it's i guess really what it looks like where we're at right now is just like i was saying it's it's been kind of heavy editing hours this you know kind of winter is is a lot of time logging behind the computer and freaking sitting on adobe all day and um so yeah show up the office start chopping footage color correcting organizing and you know right now i'm sitting on you know, we got like five or six films in the bucket ready to <laughs> ready to be chopped and launched here down the road. And yeah, yeah so it, right now is a lot of heavy editing hours as we get into spring here. We'll get into spring turkey season here in a few weeks. We'll start going and shooting some of those hunts leading into spring bear. Spring bear will lead us into total archery season, total archery challenge season. Mm-hmm. So we got a bunch on the map this year we're coming out kind of towards you guys here in pennsylvania because we come out for that we actually just uh talked about that with robbie kroger at blood origins oh nice hopefully try to get out to the one in montana yeah oh big big sky's a ball man big sky's a good time yep well we were just like yeah big sky's probably the the biggest one 
of yeah. all of them, right? So yeah, big sky, you know. big sky, and and now it was Snowbird. They just moved it to a Park City for this year, so that yeah. one, that one should be a good one. But that keeps us busy kind of throughout the summer, uh, leading yeah. into some fly fishing content. We're gonna try to shoot a lot more fly fishing stuff this summer, and then gosh, get through that. You're into elk season, Honestly, elk yeah, antelope, elk season, dude. Yeah, and then uh, from there, that's crazy man. Yeah, it's it's year round. I mean, it's really like I said. You go turkey, bear, fly fishing into antelope, elk, mule deer, whitetail, and then you go do it all over again. <laughs> I know, seriously, it's man. packed. It's packed. Yeah. yeah, it's but wouldn't have it any other way. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. So what's you know? Let's kind of take it to the field. You know, what's what's your process like working the field? Uh, I think the biggest the biggest thing that I noticed when we worked together out in Alaska was how I wouldn't say how little you shot, but I'm so used to seeing everybody trying to capture everything, right? Yes, and yes. I noticed that you were super methodical and very picky about what you shot. And that's like the first thing I noticed mm-hmm. was that and just like your style of shooting, I think. But yeah, just kind of dive into that. Like, how did you, you know, how did you fall into that? How did you figure out this is kind of my style and how does that translate into your work? I think if you ask anyone who is an editor along with a shooter, you start to see someone really, you know, I, the way I shoot, I shoot in how I'm going to edit it. And that's what I visualize before I even press record. It's like, okay, you know, for Alaska, for instance, okay, we're sitting on a jet boat. Okay. I want a wide angle, get the wide angle of water, water moving, kind of get the landscape action, cut that to a medium shot of whoever my subject is on the boat, move into a macro shot of whatever the gun they got in their hand or whatever, you know what I mean? And that uh, day's beard looks super cool. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Got the sun flare glowing in his orange beard and, um, which we got a couple banger shots of that. So I, I I shoot (laughs) everything in sequence. I shoot everything in sequence of how I'm going to edit it. And, uh, I guess that's kind of how I've always done it because Anytime, if you ask any editor, they get handed a, you know, a, a drive that has, you know, four terabytes of footage on it. They're going to have a meltdown. Oh yeah, It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go through a, you know, 15 days worth of footage. I don't know what happened. And so I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy that I learned how to edit early on to be able to yeah. kind of shoot and have that accompany each other. And it makes the whole process yeah. just a little bit easier. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because man, the biggest regret I have of Alaska, well, actually not a big regret at all, but we obviously we shot in mind for a TV show, right? So it's just like hit record and then just just point the freaking lens yeah. to whatever's happening. And now, you know, I'm trying to edit little sizzles. I'm trying to edit like, you know, mm-hmm. something other than for TV. I'm like, dude, I have nothing. Like I, I like we barely have stuff to Yeah. You know, it's almost it's almost it's, so it's almost too much it's almost when you shoot when you shoot too much, you come up with little. And yeah. that's that's tough. And a lot of people misunderstand that, like think that they always, always have to be rolling. They always have to yeah. just film everything, just film everything. You got to kind of have a purpose before you go into any shoot. And, you know, some people carry a physical shot list. I have a mental shot list with every, every shoot I go on. I don't write anything down, man. I have it in my head of what I want to capture <laughs> and uh, I get lucky a lot. <laughs> I was just going to say, does that drive your team crazy? It does because they're they're kind of <laughs> like record everything, record everything, and and yeah. that 
and for some instances you you will be able to capture a lot of stuff but that's just that much more you got to go through and it gets yeah. lost in, in the maze of of files and footage and it's just all about going into uh what you're doing with a creative purpose yep so up in alaska you were rolling solo is do you always roll solo film in solo on your hunts or do you bring a big team with you it's really, really small crew. We just hired on a new fellow, Luke Dusenberry. He's a stud. He's a great mm-hmm. photographer. Awesome on the video side of things too. So we just got him on board a few weeks ago. But before that, pretty much all season, it was uh, it was me kind of running the video content, and then David D. Austin, our photographer, running the photography stuff. And then he, you know, I would indulge in a little bit of photography, and he would hop in and oh, get some video stuff done. But mostly, it was it was just me. So you really do have to think as yourself as being, you know, a multi person crew, and that's kind of yeah. the. And the key to doing that is having a variety of, of lenses and knowing your gear. And again, like I said, and yeah. having a purpose of what you're doing and having a little bit of variety of looks that you can mix in within yourself. And you can ask Andy, and I know he does it too. It's like you're hopping between, you know, your cinema camera, mixing between that and yeah. a Canon DSLR, and you're hopping through different yeah. lenses and throwing it on a gimbal, throw a drone in the air, mixing it up. Yeah. And it's, you would be surprised Again, if you it's have that tough. creative purpose that you can make yourself one person seem like you have a 15 man crew. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's like, man, I miss that because you could have so much creative control. Yes. You know, yes. and then sometimes like you just have no choice, but to like, you can't, you know that you can't do it all mm-hmm. and you have to have help. Right. It's yeah. like, especially just to make it happen. Like we just shot a, a scene of, of a short film we did and we had what Phil three hours. Just about. Yeah, three hours to get there, get Get set up. Yeah, we couldn't set up anything until we got there. Right. Until we got there. So, you know, gimbals, rigs, everything. And then we had to to break down at a hard time or else we got fined. And there's like, dude, there's just (laughs) no way that you can throw a drone up. There's no way that you can, you know, follow these guys hunting and, you know, take cameras out of the gimbal and and, and like switch it up and and do all that stuff by yourself. And it's like, it kind of, it, creatively it's not like oh more hands means that you're going to have a better product right it doesn't mean that at all but sometimes it's like man you just have to have that help but there are some projects where it's like one person is probably better for the outcome and you're a prime example of that because you have that mental shot list you know what you're going to shoot you can be super efficient you don't you know you don't need to bring a lot of gear because you know exactly what you're going to be using exactly Exactly. No, I, I try, I try to keep it simple. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between, I think people also misunderstand like, Hey, how much expensive junk can I pack on the mountain? And that will make my content stand out way better than, than anyone else. Okay. Yeah. In my pack, I'll throw a drone, a gimbal, five cameras, 12 lenses. It's like, no man, yeah. your back's going to fall apart <laughs> and you're not going to be able, you won't make it there. And one yeah. person isn't going to be able to handle all that. I mean, that, that just kind of goes into that, that pre shoot planning and having just kind of all your stuff dialed and that's one that's one thing i was really impressed with you andy when we went out on that trip is your ability to kind of be a creative director in the field but you're also out there shooting stills you're shooting video you're getting dave in position i mean it was i mean that is what inspires me is going out with guys like you was that ability to organize all that and wear multiple hats in the field like that yeah it's, he, he does a really good job. It's it's funny coming <laughs> from you know, and I'm I'm speaking just from us starting. And Andy obviously was 
I was there kind of as, as helping hands. And then it turns into, you know, then I get more into it and more filming, but then Andy has to start taking over that more, you know, creative director role. Then you're bringing in more people. So, yeah, he, but it's, you know, I, I would have to say that, and this is not be being an a-hole, but it, once you, once you bring in more people, I think it's tough because then people shoot differently. People have yeah, a different, eye, you know, and it's like, you kind of have to let go and just trust people to do their work, you know? Yeah, but, no, but yeah. at the same time, like just ha- having that voice and, and communicating, you know, if you do have a team, but having that voice of, and kind of pushing that creative direction that, that we always strive to have, yeah. but that's, you know, it's a little bit more different, you know, Keith and your side, when you're, you're kind of running, you've got everything mentally in your brain and you're just rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important to have someone to kind of be there as manager, as creative director, as to keep things flowing, but also you got to be able to know when it's, when <laughs> it almost seems like when uh, the more hands in the cookie jar, things kind of start yeah. getting a little bit, a little bit more hectic. And that's why I really like working with small groups and you yeah. have a little bit more of that creative freedom, like you said. And I think that's, what's great about what we have at, at mountain ops. We have such a small crew that we kind of get to divide and conquer and they trust us. They send us out and be like, Keith, you're going to be running stills. You're going to run video. Luke, you're going to be running stills, running video, go nuts, come yeah. back and make something yeah. awesome. That's great. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, what's, um, you hired a new, you, you not, when I say you, I mean, mountain ops hired Luke, right? Luke's the, the new content creator for you guys. Yes. So how, you know, how is it for you being, you know, you were running solo, lone wolfing it, and now you have Luke. How has that changed your, your work process? It's more freedom. And as, as we start going on more of these hunts and we start mm-hmm. planning more of these bigger projects and films and this and that, like before last year, it was just me. It was just me running a, a long lens, you know, getting, it's like getting wildlife footage. Okay, switch lens. We're going in on a stock. Okay, let's yeah. get the over the shoulder, draw back, kill shot, this and that. And that's, that's hectic for one person. It's a lot of pressure on one person to get all of that. Now you can kind of divide and conquer. And I can say, and that's another, that's a positive of having a group be like, Hey, you're going to shoot, you're going to shoot all 4k 24. This is what you're going to focus on with this lens. I'm going to sit, I'm going to get B roll at these settings and this and that. And then at the end of the day, we'll come back and we'll try to make something happen. And I think that's, what's nice about these bigger crews that you see putting out some of these, some of these new films coming out and you start to see, you know, whether it's an Under Armour film and there's that, there's always go back to that epic kill shot from Cam Haynes Elk Hunt this year. And that was, that was one of the most impressive, most impressively shot kill sequence. I mean, it sounds brutal, but it was just the way they pieced it together. It is one person can't do that. Yeah. And having, yeah. having multiple hands on deck to be able to make yeah. that happen. It, uh, that's how you get those special, special shots that people remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it definitely has its advantages and disadvantages if you don't manage it correctly. You know, it's like it yeah. can work really well, but if if no one knows what's going on, everybody's just stepping on each other's toes. And, yeah, you know, and, and, and that that is tough, and that is tough. Yeah. Like you said, when you have all hands on deck, you know, everyone wanna, wants to get that shot. Everyone wants yeah, to get the true. shot. And, you know, it's a, it's a competitive industry, man. I mean, it's at the end of <laughs> yeah. the day, we all are trying to work together and make, we're all striving for the same goal. 
is yeah. to you know get people stoked to go outside and enjoy the outdoors but we also want to have that that banger shot at the end of the day <laughs> Yeah, Maybe that's sure. just the old baseball player in me. I'm a little competitive, and I want, <laughs> I want to, I want to have that shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, dude, let's talk about that a little bit. You know how how has you know playing baseball and you played at why, why not state, right? Uh, my not Emma. My not okay. My, my not, not North not. Dakota. Come on, man. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Good old North Dakota. Yeah. So I, uh, gosh, I played 19 years of baseball. Yeah, growing up, that was. Uh, was baseball and skiing. I mean, that was, yeah. that was what took up all my time. Those were my passions and that's what I put all my effort into. And so going into, going into college, that was, uh, I mean, gosh, being a, a collegiate athlete, that is a more than a full-time job. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's 60 hours jobs. a week. Exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're being a, a student athlete and I'm talking, our schedule was, you know, wake up, we'd have 6am practice. It's negative 35 outside <laughs> oh, <laughs> walk into indoor practice. You do that for about two hours, finish that up. Then you're going into kind of individual position player work. We'd go up and yeah. hit. And then pitchers will get separated and uh, get done with that after a couple hours. You go to class for a little bit, come back, you have weights, go back to class, come back, meet up with a the team. Then you have study hall and then you go finish up your homework and then you go to bed. Mm. And so you're really, uh, that taught me discipline. And that's one thing that I could yeah. never take away from being an athlete. It taught me discipline. And that's also what I use today in my work is just having that everyday driving factor. Yep. to keep me going, to keep me shooting, to keep me organized. And that's yeah, what yeah. being a collegiate athlete taught me. But that's a past life. Now I'm washed yeah. up and I'm old. I don't have a shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm happy I had that part of my life. Cause yeah. I mean, once, once I graduated, I think that's one thing that's hard for, for collegiate athletes is, you know, once you finish, I mean, I played 19 years of the same sport and that's what I put all of my time and effort into. And then all of a sudden one day it's just done. And you can't, no one's written a book on how to come. I mean, really like (laughs) post-athletics depression is real. (laughs) Once I graduated and I moved back to Bozeman, I was twiddling thumbs. Like I said, cleaning toilets, making BS wedding films. (laughs) Like, oh man, trying to figure out what to do next. And uh, I'm just glad I could take that, that drive and that passion I had for athletics. And I've taken that into the creative field. Yeah, man. And it's, that's a huge thing, right? Going back to, I mean, even before we started this podcast, we were just talking about it, but that work ethic, yeah, the work ethic that you, I mean, you, there's no shortcut to work ethic, right? It's not like you can Amazon same day ship work ethic to yourself. And, can't and, YouTube that. You can't, yeah, you, you can't, can't find out how to work ethic. hard YouTube. Yeah. And it's, you know, athletics or jobs or whatever, all that stuff, time management, you learn, you know, you learn a bunch of stuff that you carry into your career that you probably didn't even think you were learning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. probably when you were in college, you just, that was life. That was you being an athlete and being a student. But now it's like, wow, you know, that, like you said, that taught you that day-to-day motivation and that personal motivation that, hey, no one's going to force me to work harder no one's gonna you know sure i might have a boss or a coach that's gonna be like dude keith you're slacking off or hey you know you need to work harder but at the end of the day you're the one that needs to work harder and i'm sure that now at mountain ops it's kind of the same thing right i'm sure that trevor or matt or whoever is not like keith you need to work harder you know that every day that you come in you got to do your best work 
Exactly. And I think that is, that's the most important lesson that I learned from that. And that was one of the weird transition factors of being a collegiate athlete is you do have someone telling you what to do every Mm -hmm. single day and you have a schedule every single day dialed everything. I mean, you are a robot. College athletes are robots and no one like that. That is just kind of a part of life. And uh, so once you graduate, all of a sudden you don't have someone telling you what to do and how to do it. And that was one of the weird, weird transition factors of like, okay, I need to take, you know, that, that way of life that I I once had and take that into the job field. And I think that's, what's really great about what we have at mountain ops is that we all, we all have trust. We all kind of trust one another and that we're all going to get our job done and do our duty. It was, it was exactly the same thing on a baseball field. You know, everyone had to do their part and that's how you win baseball games is everyone doing their part. And that's how you have a successful business is everyone doing their part. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and and we talked about when I, when I used to fight, it was the same thing, right? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Each fighter. Sure. You're getting in the ring by yourself, but, if you don't have your nutritionist, if you don't have your team behind you, heck, if you don't have your teammates that come to practice every night and beat the heck out of you, you're gonna, you're not so you're gonna not gonna any, get better. You're not gonna get yeah, better. you're not gonna get better. Yeah. yeah, and you have to trust that those guys are working just as hard as you are. Yeah, and so and you ha- and you there. have to you have to be wary of who's in your corner. Um, oh, yeah. Whether it was you in your in your fight life, in that I. Uh, And I think that's what's great about the creative field. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what's something really impressive, what you guys have at at Muddy Shutter, is you guys have such a tight-knit group, and everyone's pulling in the right direction and and working together for the greater good. And that's also what we have great going on at Mountain Ops. Yeah, it's so important, man. And, like, everybody just doesn't – I wouldn't say question it, but, like, everybody knows that you have to do certain things at the end of the day that – might not be in your job description that you just have to do to pull the team together. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, heck, even on the baseball team, is it your job to fill up water? You know, probably not, but will it benefit the team or, or, Hey, you know, if you got to make sacrifices for the team for the greater good, that's kind of what you have to do. Right. As you know, I mean, heck, if Phil has to pack Pelicans, he's not gonna be like, Oh, like, that's not my job. Like, that's why we hire a production assistant. You know, it's like, dude, <laughs> if it needs to get done, it needs to get done. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, that's kind of the, the big strengths of a team. And, and that's so important about, like you said, trust. It's like, you just trust that someone's going to get their job done no matter what, and no matter what the job is. And I, I know, I know I made that comment earlier of kind of that competitiveness of the field that we work in and uh, kind of everyone being a little bit individualized and wanting to catch that banger shot and do this and do that. But really, yeah. I mean, look what we're doing right now. I mean, we're all in the same field. And I think yeah. that's what's great about the community that we have, I guess, in this creative outdoor space is right. that, you know, you could reach out to any one of us. I reached out to a lot of people in our industry and asking questions and getting feedback. And uh, that's important. We like, really, we all may be individualized, but we're all one big team. Like I said, and we're all driving for that greater good to really build that creative stoke to get people outside, enjoy the outdoors, whether it's hunting, fishing, anything. I mean, that's, that's our job. And that's what we go to work every day to, to push people to go out and do that. And the better, better off we do, you know, work together that we do, it, it benefits everybody. Exactly. You know, down the road. I mean, heck, that's what this podcast is kind of for, right? It's just kind yeah, of exactly. start talking and just like, 
I, I think sometimes we get so bogged down in, like you said, getting that shot or we're, we're so competitive with each other in the industry. I mean, technically, if you, me, Phil all had a camera and we were on set, technically we're all competitors, right? Yeah. Like as freelancers. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you realize you're like, we're all in the same industry. And two, you know, if we all openly talk to each other and help each other out, it only helps us raise get the bar. Yeah, absolutely. Raise the bar. Yeah. Because, I mean, Andy, you know, you know, things that I don't know. I know yeah. things that maybe you don't know and yeah. communicating and working together. I mean, yeah. that's what, that's what makes each one of us better. And that's one yeah. thing from that Alaska trip. I mean, sitting down and watching David rattling off stills and working with flash and working on different settings and different yeah. creative, just dipping into his creative mind was I mean, it, dude, it boosted my confidence behind still photography immensely, yeah. just watching you guys work and being able to communicate with each other. And that's what that's why we do it, man. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to find something new and, and build off of each other. Yes it's, comp- yes, it's competitive, but at the end of the day, without each other, we won't grow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you hop on Instagram. That's why we all are sit on Instagram and scroll through <laughs> everyone's work all day. And it's like, well, yeah. hey, Sam Sohold, man, that's a badass shot. That was killer. Yeah. How did he do that? And you kind oh, of yeah. absorb that. And then maybe next time you go on the field, you don't necessarily take that from him. But maybe you think about that shot and kind of absorb it into your own style and you build off of that. Yeah, that's a huge point right there because we were just talking with Liza Sauter and she's like, you know, we always try to be and we had this conversation earlier today about the on this podcast was everybody you know always wants to be the next insert person here right yeah i want to be the next this i want to be the next whoever and it's like man just take what you learn from these people and absorb like you said absorb it into your own style and not so much copy them but take take little tidbits here and there and just make your own self instead of trying to be like you know another person and yeah. I think, like like you said, as people slowly start to do that, you know, it, it just elevates the game. It pushes, it pushes, you know, that lineup and quality. I mean, I mean, just like films that you make, right? I mean, I think, heck, ten years ago in the hunting industry, no one would even think about making a short film or or, or a film to that caliber, right? They'd yeah. Be like, It'd be, be like, kill what? shot, kill shot, kill shot, kill shot. Right. It would be whisper, this and whisper, kill yeah. shot, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, cue man. To, cue to the side interview. Yeah, exactly. Cue to the side yeah. interview. Exactly. And, then, exactly. Uh, and uh, ran- random, random target commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And I've, uh, and I'm not knocking my past employees or bosses you know i've i've worked <laughs> i've worked in the in the television space and yeah. i've worked in in that field where everything is so okay what are we doing now where are we okay what's happening what do we got going on okay what happened interview in front of the cabin or interview in front of the fire yeah. okay get into the this and that and it's so that's what that was one of my main goals when i got into this industry like i said i came from a skiing and action sports inspiration space and so taking that style of you know high intensity high energy and filming more of the camaraderie and filming more of the travel and adventure aspect of what we do a lot of people don't understand that and so incorporating all of that into more of a film-esque cinematic style i mean that's been my goal since day one is like gosh i just want to change the game i want to try something different and push it into this space and see what happens and like you said I mean, rewind 10 years ago, you wouldn't see what any of us in the industry are doing. I mean, it's totally, it is absolutely, 
<laughs> it's just it's a whole different it's a whole different system. It's a whole different world now. Really is. So as um, just speaking of that world, and it changes all the time. How do you stay ahead of it? How does the team at Mountain Ops stay ahead of it? I think it's always, like you said, it's always changing and it's always gaining inspirations from different spaces. And I think, and just constantly trying to do something a little bit different. Like each film that I come up with, I try to make it just a little bit different than the last one. If I have one piece that it looks just like the next one and someone could tell that instantly, then I haven't really yeah. done my job. You know what I mean? And so yeah. each piece I'm trying to take some inspiration, whether it's a YouTube vlogger or it's from a ski film or a skateboard film, I'm taking that inspiration. I'm trying to plug it into the space and try to make just make this big ball of a mess. That might be something a little bit different than yeah. people have seen in the hunting industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, just kind of talking about your work, a big example of that was Untamed. Like, I, I think, uh, Untamed, Great. right? That's what you guys Yes, yeah, that was, that was the gritty film, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, like, when I watched it, I was like, man, this is, this is totally different. Like, Keith definitely did something different here. You know, how you guys just mashed the, like, vlog style, yeah. you know, with your, cin you know, like, cinemagraphic, like, slow-mo's, and the more thought out shots with the macro, you know, the mi micro and macro shots and how you guys like cut in the more personable, like almost like behind the scenes yeah. footage, very raw. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like Keith just totally nailed it. And, and then, you know, you switch over to another video that you did and it's like you said, it's completely different. I was like, wow, man, the pace of watching this is, is like, you want to watch the next one because you know, it's going to be different instead of like, you know, Oh, it's going to be this formula. He's he's going to do this, and then he's going to switch to this shot, and then he's going to end. Yeah, it if on this. if you can calculate what I'm going to do in one of my pieces, then like I said, I haven't done my job. And really, with each piece that I make, my goal is that I want you know your vegan grandma to be able to sit down and be intrigued <laughs> by this and want to watch this and be like, wow, what is this? This looks kind of cool. Or your right. girlfriend or a wife or anyone. I want to make it so that it's an experience for everyone. And I think yeah. that's one thing like we've talked about, in a, especially in the outdoor space, whether it's, you know, a cliche LL Bean fly fishing how-to video, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, or a kill shot, kill shot, kill shot, kill shot. It's like, gosh, man, I want to, I want to know more of the backstory. You know, when you go into a hunt, each day of the hunt's a different story. Each yeah. person in that hunt is a different story. And it's, I mean, there's so much that you can pull out of it as a creative in this space that I just don't think a lot of people have, have tapped into yet. And the way it's growing into now, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what do you guys have planned for 2019 that you're allowed to talk about? No, oh, yeah. I, I got to keep quiet of a little bit. We're trying to, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot more video content, a lot nice. more video content. And so, mm -hmm. like I said, I'm sitting on, sitting on some, some films right now that I got to piece together. Obviously we're going to be coming up on a lot more trips and it's going to be, like I said, I'm going to try to change my styles up a little bit. And between our crew, I think we'll be able to piece together some kind of new, interesting looks on hunting films on hunting yeah, trips, sure. on hunting stories, and uh, make it a lot more than just uh, just a kill shot. Yeah, you could sure. be out of the office a lot. <laughs> I, I'm a, during Monday through Friday. I'm a little bit of a robot. I kind of have the same schedule going <laughs> in, and 
edit, edit, edit. But mm-hmm. uh, like I said, here come a uh, few weeks, we'll kind of start traveling a lot. We got some pretty cool trips. I think we're going to uh, New Zealand here in May, which should be pretty exciting. Me, uh, awesome. Brian Call, and Ryan Lampers. I don't know if it's finalized, but that's kind of on the on the radar. And yeah. you know, there'll be some elk hunts, be some whitetail hunts, be some mule deer hunts. There'll be uh, all the above, and we'll try to make something kind of entertaining for every type of hunter. Yeah, <coughs> and another, another sick, thing, we're sick of deer hunt. <laughs> yeah, sick no, of deer that's, hunt. What that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is we got to link up and do something crazy, man. Like I like I said, going out and being able to to shoot with you guys. I mean, that like that trip yeah. is so unforgettable for me because that was one of the first trips I've gotten to really tag team and dip into other creatives minds about how they shoot and just be able to be one big crew. We might've been on there on two different job assignments, but we were one big crew and the things that I learned from you guys that I'll, I mean, I'll carry that forever. It was fun, man. I mean, I think, I think you, Dave and I kind of like, Feels gonna feel feel all yeah. left. Yeah, out. Yeah, sorry to make you feel left out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's no, I'm gonna, go sit, like I'm gonna go sit in my corner, guys. Hey, next year, next year. Yeah, next, next year. year. We kind of just like, yeah, no, that camaraderie where you know we had that running joke. It was like, what is it like Alaskan? I was watching Alaskan it, camera guys filming camera guys. Yeah, it was like, yeah. dude, it was so funny because I, I went into just random footage that I had where, you know, we're just like sitting around the fire or like you guys are keep trying to keep your stuff dry and dude, it, it was oh, man. good times, you know? And, and speaking really of that hunt, that. I have, I cut that footage. We may or may not have a film coming out soon that oh, involves no that way. hunt and a little bit more. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. I just finished a little bit of a piece on that. That's all I'll say about that though. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners, but you better send me some teasers, man. Oh, I'll send you some teasers too. I'll send you some uh, send you some content soon. I need I need oh, your nice. uh, opinions on it also. And yeah, I think that's sure. another th- another thing that a lot of people, uh, especially in this space, are a little bit soft about. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I strive for is whatever yeah. I put out, I send it to anyone who works in my space or yeah. anyone in my office. I want all hands on deck to be able to give me their yeah. opinions and absorb that. And like I said, I'm trying to make content that is applicable to everyone and yeah. that everyone can ha- take a little bit of peace from that and appreciate it. Absolutely. So we're fair warning. We're about to go down this rabbit hole right now, but Uh-oh, we, we, we just talked about this. Let's go down um, it. Yeah, let's let's go down it. And you're right, we are soft about it because we do get in, you know. And I'm I'm gonna completely be frank and honest. Some of us, even myself included, sometimes we we kind of think like our work is is gospel, right? Yeah, gospel according to Andy, gospel according to Keith, gospel according to Phil. And it's like, oh, our our best work is like the best thing ever. And then someone comes and they're like, eh, it's all hey. right. And then you're just like. Dude, what? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? I spent like I spent like all week editing this, right? And <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, even in our team, right? If someone takes a crappy shot, we're like, dude, we're not sending that to the client. That crap sucks, man. Like, yeah, this is not on brand. This is not us. And yeah, you have to. You just have to have that have thick skin. To, yeah, have that thick skin. For, I like, mean, no other way. Say like, it. you know what? You're right, man. That is not my best work. Let's let's go back and look at it. How could and we have done this? I mean, how how, uh, how else do you grow without that? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No. It, it's it's you, stay you just can't. You just can't oh, yeah. because you you you'll be complacent with your quality, right? And then yeah. suddenly people people will start surpassing you. But it's you got to work hard to keep keep that knife sharp. And I'm so glad that we're going down this rabbit hole because you know it's 
in order for you to grow, you kind of have to have those growing pains. You got, you have to have someone that just kind of like humbles you a bit and like, dude, you're nowhere close to close to where you think you are. You, yeah. And, and, going, and going back to, sorry to interrupt you, but going back no, no, to no, athletics, go ahead, go ahead. going back to athletics and your fight career, I guarantee you had teammates that would be like, like, come on, step it up, man. Like, I, I know, yeah. I know you're better than that. I know you can do yeah. better than that. And that is uh, that's how you probably grew as a fighter. That's how I grew as a baseball player is yeah. learning from those, those mishaps or learning. I mean, they're all learning lessons. Each piece that you put out is a new learning lesson. I mean, going back on some of my old work, I laugh at it, man. It was horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. And I mean, going back on some of that, and at the time, I thought it was God's creation. It was like, man, this is so <laughs> epic. This is yeah, so back sick. Back to 10-year-old Keith, you know, like- 10-year-old oh, doing is... backflips out of a swing set. Like, dude, this is sick, man. Like, this is unreal. And yeah. I look back on that now, I was like, what was I thinking? But that's how yeah. you grow. And being able to accept that factor of, uh, not everyone's going to love your work, man. And not everyone is going to see your vision. And- yeah. um, I mean, you just have to put it out there and you have to, I mean, at the same time, again, going down this rabbit hole is you have to be, be confident and believe in your work of what you put out yeah. there and you can't just hold it back just because like, Oh, I don't know if people are going to like it. Maybe I shouldn't post this or maybe yeah. I shouldn't do that. Do that. You know, it's, it's a harsh gig. It is a harsh gig. It is it's a very gig. It's a vulnerable. It's a vulnerable job. What we have really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's like two examples I can think of that, you know, kind of prepared me for the harshness of it. And and one is like you said, the fighting, right? When we were training, you did a disservice to your training partner if you didn't I wouldn't say hit him as hard as you could, but when you're sparring, when you're punching someone in the face, it's like actually punch him in the face. Don't yeah. Don't tap him because when, when it actually, comes down to that fight, he's <laughs> yeah, gonna be when he actually gets hit in the face, he's gonna be like, oh like the, well, I, that's I how it actually feels. <laughs> right. That's how yeah. it actually feels. You know? And, and that's what I mean is when, when you, it's the same thing with throwing your work up on YouTube or Instagram, there are hungry vultures oh, yeah. waiting at the keyboard, <laughs> a lot of trolls, waiting man. to thrash you back to reality. And yeah. uh, it happens to all of us. It happens yeah. to all of us. And uh, you just got to take those knocks and learn from them. Yeah. I mean, we had, we actually had a troll on one of our videos for a client, the gun manufacturer. And we, we threw out this like little sizzle reel, like just, just for fun. And this yep. troll was like, oh man, like all over it. Yep. Yeah. A whole 30 seconds of, of a gun commercial and no one pulls the trigger, like great marketing. Oh drugs. my gosh. And yep. we're just like, I was like, you know what? He kind of has a point. Yeah, you know? yeah that's true. He kind of has true. a point. It's a so gun we, commercial no, and no yeah, one's we're pulling like, the okay, trigger. Like, but you did something yeah. different and people are going to remember that. Yeah. So Hey, you know, at the end of the day, you can't make everybody happy, but you no. do kind of realize like, Hey, we're, we're in a creative field and in a creative field, some people are going to like your work. Some people are just kind of downright hate it. Abs absolutely. And that, I mean, going back to college, I was the college baseball player. I was the dumb jock in my art classes. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in photography class and we're doing all these kind of weird concepts and, um, working with all these different different styles of photography i'll leave it at that and man i did not want to show any of my work because i'm yeah. like i felt like the outsider and in, in in that group 
But when I, that's what's funny is at the end of the day, I really didn't want to show any of my work then. But since then, I've had my photography teachers reach out and be like, wow, man, you really sucked at photography back then. <laughs> but look at you now. Like, look at you now. I didn't know you had it in you. Yeah. And so really, there's so much untapped potential in all of us that, you know, there's so much, so much talent out there that maybe, you know, if you just, you know, we're just believed in your work a little bit more that, you know, more, more of that would come to fruition. Yeah. It's, um, and that reminds me, you know, everybody should go and, and YouTube this, but Apple did an awesome commercial on this topic exactly where it's like an animated short and I forgot the title of it, but it was a little girl and she's this artist, right? And she draws and she draws and, um, she, you know, she's just painting and drawing and she never wants to show anybody her work. She like looks at it, she gets all angry and she stuffs it into a folder and all the stuff that she creates, she just doesn't think it's good enough. She doesn't want to show anyone and she stuffs it into a folder and she has this dog. And this is why I love it because there's a dog involved. Of course. <laughs> but the dog's like looking at her, you know, and like, and one day the dog takes the folder and throws it out the window or like he, he like opens the window and the wind like, like, takes her work and like spreads it all over the world and you know her her paintings and drawings like fall like fall all over this little town this little animated town people pick up the work and everybody's like smiling and like laughing and you know and she realizes that yeah you just have to put your work out there for people to appreciate you know in order for you to to grow and it dude, it was such, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, I was like, dang, like I just got nailed chills, it. like nailed it, you know, especially for a creative brand like Apple. And it was, it was like so spot on. And, and I, I recommend everybody to go look at it because it, it raised the hairs on my neck. Yeah. From a marketing standpoint, but also because it, it, it hit me hardcore. I was like, dang, you know, yeah, you just got to put your, your work out there. You got to share it. You know, you got to have a, a dialogue about it because you're not going to grow. You're not going to get better. Yeah, like we said, man, it's it's a it's a vulnerable uh, job space that we work in, and that's just kind of part of it. And uh, it's a it's a happy medium of believing in your work, but not being too overly arrogant. Or I think that's another weird thing that is in our industry. Whether you, you know, you can be like, I'm a prestigious filmmaker. I'm a photographer <laughs> in the outdoor award winning. Space. I'm award winning photographer. I'm a published <laughs> photographer. And if you carry that attitude with you, man, that's gonna, that's just not, that's just not why we do it. You got to remember right. why we do it. And it goes back to me, you know, cleaning, cleaning toilets and yeah. pulling hair out of <laughs> hair and toenails out of gym showers. You know, you got to remember those, those rough times to be able to appreciate where you're at right now. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's, it's so important to kind of realize that, that at the end of the day, sure awards and everybody wants to win recognition. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, in, it's human nature to, to want praise for your work, but especially, especially now in the Instagram world, everyone, oh, yeah. um, everyone yeah. wants likes, everyone wants followers. Oh, that guy yeah. only has 2000 followers. I, I don't really want to follow him. Oh, he's got 56,000 followers. I should probably right. follow him. You know, it's right. just such a silly, silly world that we live in now. And it's all for this electronic praise that everyone yeah. wants, wants to do it for. And that is absolutely the wrong reasons to do it. You got to remember at the end of the day that we are so damn lucky to be able to make make a living and uh, feed our families with a camera. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gosh, mm -hmm. 
how many people get to do that? We're kind of like that small percentage that get to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, you kind of sit back and you're like, sure. There's those days where you're, you, you know, you, it's just a grind and you, you just, to be honest, hate your job and you're like, Oh God, this is not a, you're surrounded day. by grizzly bears. And yeah. You you're just like, not ate, another day. You know, I mean, days of dehydrated <laughs> meals and <laughs> Dude, seriously, the week that you guys left and Dave and I realized that we still had two more weeks to go. <laughs> I felt so rough for you guys, man. Like, I was, was like, rough, Dude, these man. guys, these guys are heavy. These guys are, uh, these guys are real. Yeah, and, and and just to give the listeners a little background here, Keith, Dave, and I spent some time together in the backcountry of Alaska. Keith, Keith, and the mountain ops team was there for a week, but then Dave and I stayed for two weeks after that. And you guys brought this huge beer run. Beer run. Keith needs more beer. He'll be back though. So we'll keep talking. Phil, what's going on? Uh, I was trying to think of what kind of beer he was getting. Probably, probably. A, I forgot what I forgot what he showed us. Uh, like a Montana beer. It was a Montana. Yeah, something we're gonna make fun of Keith Brian. while he's on a beer run. But yeah, we can do that. It's okay. He he can he can drink beer from Montana because he's he's a native. He's, he's a native. Yes. Uh, Bose, Bose Minion. Bose Minion. Bose, we'll go with Bose Minion. Bose Minion. Bozeman. Bozeman. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's Bozeman. He's technically a Bozeman. A Bozeman. Man. Bozeman. Yeah. We'll ask him when he gets back. It's the longest uh, beer run ever. Yeah. Smith Smith Rock, Climb Rock. What did he have? Sorry, back. So, um, What'd you get? We're, we were talking about your beer choice. What's your beer choice? Cold Smoke. And shout out, Cold smoke. Oh, shout smoke. Shout out to uh, Kettle House Brewing, Missoula, Montana. The best beer Missoula. you'll ever have. <laughs> we're beer we're beer snobs in Montana, man. Like where I'm from in Bozeman, I think we have uh I think we have like fourteen breweries now. I mean yeah. it's uh yeah, we're bad. We're Tiva wearing mustache having trad bow shooting flannel wearing beer snobs. Patagucci yeah. <laughs> pa- pa- Patagucci, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't talk I can't talk too much smack. I drive a Tacoma and I have a lot of flannel, so <laughs> Yeah, no. I, but I, I don't I have a fly rod holder on top of my truck. That's mm, that's a one plus. Yeah, that's yeah, like I, a Bozeman staple, like or Mountain Town staple. You got the Subaru covered in Patagucci stickers. Like share the roads, or you have a Tacoma <laughs> with a fly 30, rod. 30, what that. is it? Twenty one point two or whatever the marathon number is. <laughs> oh, the marathon number. Oh, that's that's, I hate crucial, that. Dude. I hate that's that. Crucial. I I have so many, (laughs) so many stereotypes of mountain towns and, uh, Bozeman is one of the worst. And now where I live in Salt Lake is pretty bad too, but Bozeman, it's one of the worst, but I love it. You know, it's one of those things like I give a ton of people who live there a bunch of junk, (laughs) but I am that to a T. I mean, I yeah. fish in Tevas. I have a Tacoma. <laughs> I'm so typical. I mean, it's, you rock the flannel. I, I yeah. rock the flannel. I mean, I got the hat. That's right. Montana till we die. <laughs> oh so my. here's here's a real question. I don't, I don't even know what we were talking about before this. It was probably like super serious, but dude, how do you feel about white claws? I love oh. white claws, and that is another <laughs> Bozeman stereotype. We consume the most white claws per oh. capita than anywhere else in the nation. I'm They're amazed. fabulous. I really am amazed. They're fabulous, man. Out on the They're, river, good. out yeah. on the river, incredible. You keep a couple in your pack once you get to the top of the mountain. They're easy. They're lightweight to pack. Mm-hmm. Unreal. It's they hydrate heavy, you a little bit. 
a little bit. It's not heavy. I heard, I heard, I heard they're coming. I heard they're coming out with a coconut water oh like hydration white claw. So it literally hydrates you while you dehydrate. Based out of oh, Montana. It's not based out of Montana. It might as well be. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you guys got to work on that sponsorship for the podcast. I know, seriously, <laughs> sponsored by. Except we have no sponsors. We're we're sponsored less. <laughs> well, that, that that's what makes you guys awesome. Even this podcast, we we said that we will have no sponsors ever. Yeah, yeah. You well, got muddy. I, you got muddy shutter. That's all you need. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I did. Speaking of beer, though, I did have some of the best. Uh, I had a I'm trying to think of the the name of the beer when I was out in Bozeman. Like three years ago, I had map a, brewing. It was a red IPA, and it was like one of the best I've ever had. And I had I can't remember the the name. It'll hit me later, but some of the best, you know, just craft oh, man. beer. You, you, I mean, you could go down the list if you're yeah. ever in Bozeman, Montana. You got to go to Map Brewing, White Dog Brewing, Bozone Brewing. I mean, you go down the list. You really can't, you really can't beat it. And so now in now in Utah, I'm not going to hate too hard, but we got some pretty brutal beer. <laughs> <laughs> I have to smuggle it in. I have to smuggle all my Montana beers in, but mm. that's uh, like prohibition. We'll get yeah. you to the East Coast and, and drive you down to Richmond. Got some good beers in Virginia. Yeah, good beers in Virginia. I've, I've had a few in uh, North Carolina. I've had some good yeah. ones. South Asheville's Carolina. got a good spot. Well, yeah. Asheville's killer. I love Asheville. Yeah. I got to get out there, man. Like I've been meeting to get back out there. I think we really got to make something out, something happen on the East coast. Yeah, for sure. It's um, catch up when you get to PA. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's if they um, send me, if they, if they let me leave the computer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. dude. <laughs> Cut that. I mean, <laughs> no, no, we'll keep it in there. Heck we'll keep it in there. <laughs> Guys at mountain ops, let Keith come and hunt with Phil and I little duck hunting. Maybe. Yeah. Heck, yeah. Gosh, I, I haven't I haven't duck hunted since I lived in North Dakota, man. Really? I get, that, I, get I mean, that, that, every year. You should. Where, where at North Dakota? I don't know if I could divulge that information. I mean, <laughs> like general area, western western North Dakota, eastern eastern North Dakota. No, eastern. I mean, you really can't go wrong, man. It's like yeah. that was all we had to do there for fun is freeze your yeah. butt off and uh, yeah. go bird hunting and some really stupid, crazy bar deals. Yes, I mean, this, it, it was so absurd. <laughs> I, <laughs> like Montana, we're known to you know be able to drink some beers and have a good time. But North Dakotans, man, that is a whole different spectrum of things. Yes. So I'll put this in perspective for you guys. <laughs> on uh, where I went to school in Minot, North Dakota, we had on Mondays, Northwest, right? Yes, yeah. So like okay. outside of Bismarck, so like yes. the Bakken, like the Bakken oil fields. And so on Mondays was intramural bowling, but then they'd have like dollar pitchers or something right. crazy on beers. Beautiful. Tuesday, Tuesdays was $10 all you can drink at karaoke at one bar. Wednesdays was $3 pitchers at a different oh bar. Oh my gosh. Thursdays was $10 all you can drink at like the freaking frat dance goober bar. Then Fridays and Saturdays was live music at the bar across the street from campus. And girls drank for free for like from, I think it was like 10 to midnight. Oh, wow. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess. Jeez. <laughs> wow. So you bird hunted, you played baseball, and you drank too much whiskey <laughs> yeah well speaking of cold baseball though what, what's the coldest you played in oh shoot man i think we ncaa had a rule where it was 25 degrees was like cut off but that didn't count wind chill so i'm talking probably our our coldest game we played in was probably on williston north dakota and it was 25 degrees technically but wind chill was probably sitting at about 10 degrees how I mean, is it horrible. hitting the aluminum 
it, and Bats. it was horrible. I mean, if you nubbed one, if you went off the yeah. mat or got one in on your hands, you were, your hands were ringing for the next yeah. three innings. I remember I was playing first base that game and double play beginning of an inning. I go to throw it around the horn per se. So like uh, double play, I'm the last guy to have the ball at first base. And then you throw it to the, to the shortstop. He goes, throws it to the second baseman. He throws it to the third baseman for people that don't know baseball. I went to throw it. Yeah, I don't know baseball. So this is all. And I couldn't feel my hand that I literally spiked it five feet in front of me. <laughs> Cause I would just, oh, wow. I don't know where this is going, but boom, right in front of me. And <laughs> it's it like, mentally, I know where I'm supposed to go, but physically I just can't. Phys- physically, you just couldn't make it happen. I mean, it was, uh, and now that I think back on it and my time kind of spent in the back country now, it's kind of like, gosh, <laughs> I should have had a, I should have had a jet boil with, you know, some hot cocoa some coffee going in the dugout and some ramen and get a little bit of heater going on (laughs) nope you're just drinking this some of that uh hot ignite (laughs) i wish i I wish i knew about hot ignite back then gosh no i just froze my butt off and lived on uh lived on those uncrustables yes Uh, ask any any college athlete uncrustables fruit snacks (laughs) power bars Oh, power bars, dude! Power bars, yeah, cliff bars. bars. I can't, I can't eat any of those anymore. Between I, my I days, either. between yeah. my hunting trips and my baseball career, I can't eat cliff bars dude, ever what again. What was your flavor? Uh, white chocolate oh, macadamia. macadamia. Yeah, game over. Yep. Mm, it's the best one. It's the best one for sure. And I can't drink it. I can't have any of them anymore now, though, because I mean that's yeah. literally like I th- I swear that instantly just ships you like a package of bananas, fruit snacks, <laughs> and cliff bars, and uncrustables. <laughs> So Crustables is all we got that was any good, but that healthy uh, athlete diet, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Breakfast that, and, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner of champions. Yeah, leftover Taco Bell, Little Caesars. Oh, man, dude. That's all the pizzas from the night before. Yeah, you know it. You know it. that's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, Phil, you got a baseball background, or what's your deal? You're talking I about do. your team, yeah. huh? What's that all about? Uh, I played, I'm a baseball football guy. Got the play first year at VMI. So I was a corners guy as well. Nice. Nice. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, you talk about the competitiveness and, and the discipline and everything and playing for, you know, 13, 14 years and you miss it. You know, when you, when you hang it up, you do, you, you miss it. You're like, Oh, at the time you're like, Oh, I've, I've got this. I didn't take a break. You know, I'm, I'm done. But you look back, you're like, man, you know, it's like post athlete traumatic stress. You know, it's real. You know, it's, it's absolutely, real. especially right now. I mean, I, for me, I'm lucky and I have, you know, what I do for work to keep me, you know, I carry that same passion that I have for baseball into this, but it's always in the spring, mm-hmm. springtime, oh, hits around. Yeah, especially like, today, opening day, opening day. Of, of all, and I'm like, of oh all man, I got withdrawals. I'm like, yeah. I, I should have cleats on. I should be in Arizona right now and I should be, I should be doing something. You, you know? know, what gets me the, the most is the metal spikes on concrete. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. That, that's the best sound in the world. I heard it yeah. I heard it on live TV just watching golf the other day. I think like JT was walking down doing something and they were filming them and I, you could hear the metal spikes. I'm like, you don't really hear that at golf, but that, my mind took me straight to baseball. Straight right oh, to baseball. Oh, I know. I know. I was, uh, I was walking from my hotel to get some food. I walked past Sacramento State last or yesterday and smelling that fresh cut grass. Yep. And you oh, start, man. you just, everything, it hits all of those senses. Oh, man. Well, I mean, that's just so that brings it back to that, you know, the outdoors, right? We, we love being yeah. outdoors. We've always exactly. been doing something competitive. That weird connection. Mm-hmm. So you said baseball or skiing. You were terrible at skiing. Which one? Are you I, was, I, was, I wasn't terrible at skiing. What it, what it was is that 
like I guess growing up in a ski town, Bozeman is a ski town. My mm-hmm. dad worked at Bridger Bowl my whole life, which is one of the main mm-hmm. ski areas there in Bozeman. And you know, I I guess I wasn't to the level of what my friends were. And so my friends were, were hucking all these crazy tricks and skiing these crazy lines and doing this, doing that. And I'm like, gosh, I don't think I'm quite on that level, but maybe if I pick up a camera, I can capture that and I can still be part of the crew. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that, that's what got me into it. And dude, like if you ask any creative where they get their inspiration, that is where I get mine from is taking it from all these, these ski films. I go back and I still watch all these ski films from when I was a little kid. I'm constantly rewatching ones that come out recently. I'm still obsessed with it. I mean, that's why I moved to Utah before I ever worked at mountain ops or anything. I moved out to Utah to be a ski bum again after my baseball career was over. And, And I just happened to get lucky and meet the right people. Well, dude, I mean, like Sherpa Cinemas, TCG, yeah. you know, they push out some awesome. Teton Gravity. Yeah, mm-hmm. Teton Gravity Research. They, they, dude, they push out some awesome stuff, you know. It's yeah. Just, and it's sick. like, and it's like how many people in the, the hunting industry are, are doing stuff to that similar style. And it's starting yeah. to be more relevant now. And I love yeah. that. I love that. What you see coming from Yeti and and Sitka and all these companies coming out, like, man, it is just, it's so entertaining. Like I said, for everyone to watch, you don't even have to have a bow or even quite understand hunting. But when you watch these pieces that these guys are putting out, it makes you want to understand hunting and want to be a part of that adventure that we get to do. When we talk about, you know, shoot, man, we were 120 miles deep in Alaska by jet boat, you know, talking about the, yeah. The Untamed film, we were, we freaking flew, uh, flew a float plane in about 120 miles in. We had an emergency land because a storm came in and fogged us out. We were stuck there for a bit, flew back into camp. We were in grizzly bears every day. We were riding horseback every day. We had grizzly yeah. bears stealing moose capes, caribou capes. And man, we were, it is, it's an adventure of what we get to do and capture. And a lot of people don't understand that, whether they're, you know, anti hunters or, or what. I mean, it's, yeah. that's why we go out there to do it, is to embrace this adventure, primitive nature that most people don't ever get to experience. How many people yeah. get to say for their work that I get to go in deep into the interior of Alaska and film a caribou hunt or just yeah. even camp out there for seven days? No. Dude. Did I tell you this is kind of kind of related, unrelated? But the, after you guys left, dude, sleeping in the the prepper dome was so yeah. miserable. <laughs> I bet that I literally just slept outside next to the meat bowl. No way! Why yeah, for two that? weeks. I just that's a bold. That's bold, dude. <laughs> that's I, that, that's how bad. That's how bad it was, man. We. That's how bad it was. Everybody was snoring so loud. Oh, that, I was the worst. I was the worst. I'm always the worst in camp. <laughs> I'm always the worst snore. I had the I had the sick owners probably try to stab me in my sleep. They're like, dude, F you. You suck. I'm like, what did I do, man? I'm like, you sound like you were dying every night. Yeah. I'm well, like, I, I can attest to that because we slept head to head in the head to head, yeah. Head to head. And I thought you were gonna die that first night. I was like I got sleep right. apnea, man. Too many broken noses. Oh yeah, my I gosh. Know. Same same here. But but yeah, man, it got so bad in that dome that I literally just slept next to the meat bowl. And sometimes I, I think back to it, I'm like, that probably wasn't the best idea. But it wasn't the best move. But but I got g- great night's sleep. 
yeah. every single night. <laughs> and you're still and you're still here. And you yeah, get to tell that you you slept under the stars in Grizzly Bear Country and how many people could <laughs> right say by the meat bowl. Right by to, the meat bowl. Next to living on the like, edge. Yeah, it was like three I think it was like three caribou three caribou's worth of meat. Uh, don't, dude, don't let your wife cra- listen to this one you're crazy you're crazy but, yeah no, that was like that bc trip man it was uh <laughs> i stayed one night out in a single man tent they pushed me out of the cabin made me my own john barklow from sitka gave me my own little tent outside of the cabin it was like oh no hilarious. keith yeah you're sleeping out there you're it's sleeping like, out go. there and part of me part of me was like yeah you're voted off the island oh, i'm voted <laughs> off the island and part of me was like well i don't have to deal with everyone else snoring you know, grizzly bear comes, whatever. I'll I'll drink some slumber and I'll pass out. And I'll be there good. You go. <laughs> Mountain Ops dude, plug right there. Well, seriously, dude. Seriously, <laughs> you, you guys left that treasure trove of Mountain Ops products. Yeah. Like, Thank you. We literally, we literally, Dave and I drank like three scoops of slumber at the end of each night because that's we the just only way to, to get through snoring. Oh, dude, we just wanted to pass out, and it was it was. My great. wife actually just got some, just ordered her some new slumber. Which one, the cocoa? Cocoa. Oh, dude, it's so good. Wait, a little hint of marshmallow in it. What? No, Wait, like that's on, the flavor on, profile has <laughs> a little bit today. of marshmallow. I haven't even tried it. Oh, you got to drink some of that tonight, man. Oh, it gosh, is unreal. But then she, she's she had, I guess that was the sleepy chai. Yeah, and she I like was, the sleepy cider though. Cider, sleepy, sleepy cider. cider is really good yeah. too. I, I'm a big fan, and she's like, ah, but she loves the cocoa ignite, hot cocoa night, and so she's like, oh, we're gonna get the slumber one but i'm going coco and she's she was so set on it she got it today and she was like they didn't even tell me a chip or whatever and she's like oh, this is coming i'm good good night and she's already oh, going it's, it's I mean, unreal man it's 9 20 years she's done. dude so i i can't i can't drink slumber now now that i have a kid because you don't wake up i don't wake <laughs> up and then lowing gets really pissed off that i don't uh, wake up to help her so kind of sucks but <laughs> when i'm in the back country i'll definitely bring some of that that's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. You can't you can't go on a backpacking trip without that stuff. I mean that I that is the key to a good night's rest on a mountain. I have a hard time sleeping out like in a in a tent with a bunch of gnarly snorry dudes. I mean it depends yeah. what kind of day we have, but Yeah. And then you're like trying to like lay guys. completely still to stay on your mat. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is the fact that I snore so bad. So I'm like sitting back, like feeling bad before I go to bed that I'm like, I can't even fall asleep. Cause I'm gonna keep everyone up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because like Dave was like, all right, I'm heading to bed because I, I got to get in there before Keith does. <laughs> I know. And I'm, I was always the first one to sleep in there. Like, suck it. <laughs> Feel the wrath of my snore. Yeah, seriously. Trevor's probably like, hey, we're never going yeah, on you're a fired. trip with yeah, we're never going on a trip with Keith again. <laughs> yeah, you're cut, dude. You're cut. Yeah. So Phil, you should ask Keith our our, um, our signature. Our signature question at the end of each podcast. And not that we want to cut you off, Keith, but we can um, talk for hours. Yeah, yeah, give me the give me the weird questions. You guys got some weird ones. I'm all about the weird stuff. Uh, not really weird, just more so uh, kind of the the go to that we like to end with. If if you could talk to a young Keith, what words of wisdom would you tell him? Oh man, that that's a deep one. That's a deep it's one. Tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and we um, so we ask this question to everyone at the end of each podcast to have it like consistent. And it's, it's such a tough question for everyone. 
and it's always different. And yeah, it's, it's always different, right? But at the same time, it's always the same, kind of. I th- kind I, th- of. I think for, I think for me it was is to a to a young Keith is I was so I like I said I've always been carrying a camera. I've always wanted to do what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. but I definitely lost sight of that. And, um, I guess, you know, like I said, when I was going into robo baseball mode, like that's, that's all I cared about. And that's all I wanted to do. And that's all I focused on. And when that was over, it was kind of like a, well, shoot, man, what do I do now? Right. And uh, I think if I could talk to myself before I, I could, I'm talking probably like graduating college as yeah. that younger Keith would to uh, not lose sight in, in what I'm passionate about. You know, I was torn between whether I wanted to be a, a trainer or go into physical education or be a coach or be this, be that. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think everyone kind of goes through that growing up. They lose, they lose sight in what really drives them every day. And my one thing that one of my main goals was that I never wanted to feel like what I was doing for work was uh, was dragging me down. And I always wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And I'm so lucky that I get to do that now. And so I think what I would t- say to a younger Keith is to not lose sight of that and is to stay on track and uh, just stay true to what makes me, what makes you happy and what, uh, what keeps you going every single day with a smile on your face. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, it's it's really great to ask everyone this consistent question just because mm-hmm. you know everybody has a different answer but at the end of the day the it's answer is kind of the same because yeah. it, it's like everybody says hey I would tell my younger self to work harder or I would tell myself to stop worrying or I would tell myself to keep following my passion you know it's it's like all these consistent themes no matter what the job is yeah. I think in the industry everybody kind of Wants to tell their younger self the same thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, like stay on track, man. Like don't, you know, well, well that's what I go back to saying I'm maxing credit cards and buying cameras you know, and cleaning toilets, doing that. It was, I cleaned those toilets so that I could buy a camera so I can max that credit card and buy a camera <laughs> and do what I was happy about yeah. and what made me wake, what, you know, would make every day the best day. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people, I mean, gosh, talking to some of my, my teammates now and you know they're a lot of them are killing it but a lot of people are always going back to that oh man i miss baseball i miss this i miss that and i do but i'm so happy with where i am now that that's just a a past life and what i got to do as a as an athlete was you know it was just a stepping stone to where i am now and i uh can't beat it really can't beat it and now you're sleeping with grizzly bears and keeping people up in, in the backcountry of Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So no regrets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not, no not, even <laughs> not even one. Not even one? Not even one? No, but talking about backcountry real quick, and I will digress on this, uh, so I apologize. But a fun when we were did our first trip up in, uh, we were in Anchorage, and we were riding around in a cab, and we went, I guess we just they got cabs back. up there? Yeah, we just got, or it was an Uber, Lyft, actually. It was an Uber. It was a Lyft. They Lyft, have Ubers sorry, Lyft. in the Yeah. yeah. No, so, but, you know, we're also, we're also very fortunate. And, and I like how you always have a, had a vision growing up of where you kind of wanted to be and, and what you inspired to be. Granted, you know, baseball and your life takes you different directions, but you kind of, yeah. you know, and where you wanted to, quote unquote, end up, obviously you want to keep growing. But we are fortunate in the fact that the Lyft lady was, 
going, oh, and we were telling her kind of where we were in the backcountry. She goes, you know, 90% of Alaskans have never been back there or 95% of the Alaskans have never even been outside of like Anchorage or Fairbanks, you know, yeah, not deep into the bush. So we're, you know, we're, we're also extremely fortunate to be able to experience or have those life experiences. Yeah. yeah gosh, I think, man. I mean, it's, we're, we're so, we're so lucky to be able to wake up every day and get to, to do just do anything. I mean, there's, there's so many people that have it so much worse than us. And that's one other thing that I like to keep, keep in the back of my mind every day that, you know, like I said, whether I'm getting groggy or moany about sitting behind a computer editing movies, it's like, gosh, I get paid to follow Cam Haynes and Adam Greentree and all these incredible people around the world. And I get paid to do that. And it's, it's, it's just such a blessing that I get to do that. And so many people have it so much worse. And I think that a lot of people lose track of that and need to remember that in any field of work, whether it's creative or not. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, Keith, man, we completely appreciate you taking time out of your editing time as well as yeah. time, you know, personal time to, to be on with us. And we've always enjoyed your work and I know you produce amazing content and we cannot wait to see anything that you come out with. And I know Phil and I will always um, keep in touch with you and, and send you some stuff and just to get your harsh opinion on. <laughs> it's nice, harsh. It's nice. harsh. Nice I'm not harsh. that brutal. Yeah. I'm not that brutal. <laughs> constructive. Yeah. Constructive. Yeah. But, I appreciate that, man. Look, Thank looking you. Looking forward to a good 2019 and get you on the East coast here soon. No doubt. No doubt, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for joining on today's episode of the Burning Creative Podcast. Don't forget to show us some love by sharing, subscribing, and following along on our website, theburningcreative.com. Until next time, keep the fire burning.